Hello and welcome to the Human Factor Podcast, a series of conversations discussing the topics and themes influencing the world of work today. My name is Michael Esau. I'm a global HXM advisor at SAP. And I'm Simon Humphreys. I'm a solution architect at SAP. So Simon, uh, this episode, for me, dealing with one of the big perennial challenges. Um, we're going to be talking about the attraction of talent in a digitally changing environment. There's a number of things I'm looking forward to because, you know, the attraction of talent, the retention of talent we know has become really difficult, really complex, and even more so as we come through COVID. So what are you looking forward to in this episode? Well, I love cars, as you probably know. Um, and as a consumer, we're seeing all the disruption in the marketplace, in, in the automotive space, electrification, um, you know, it, it's front and centre in terms of disrupting that space. But yeah, that's the consumer view. What, what's it like for a company now to, to have to change and evolve their strategy, to have to go out and upskill or change the skills of their workforce? How do they go about doing that? And how do they evolve in this rapidly changing environment? So I'm going to be fascinated to hear it from a, a company's perspective. I'm in the same place as you. I think because of the fact that this organisation is having to change, I, I'm really interested to know what are the strategies, if you like, in play for attracting that talent in the external marketplace, but also what are the strategies for developing their internal talent as the business transforms. So I, I think, you know, I hope as always, it will promise to be an enthralling conversation. So let's see. We are absolutely delighted to introduce our two guests on this episode. Firstly, Nicola Johnson. Nicola is the Head of People Development and Transformation at Bentley Motors. Nicola is an innovator in HR and business strategy development and leading change. Her responsibilities include business transformation and culture, people and leadership development, skills transformation, talent acquisition and development, and diversity and inclusion. Nicola is known for an innovative presence within the company, driving strategic growth in organizational development through an intuitive sense for driving business change. Nicola was recently recognized by European Automotive News in the 2021 Rising Star Awards for the automotive industry. Our second guest is Jane Harrington. Jane is the HR Digital Transformation Manager at Bentley Motors. Jane has been leading the HR Digital Transformation for Bentley Motors for over five years. Jane's role excellently combines her passion for experience management and technology, and coupled with a strong background in change management and technology adoption. Jane is passionate about creating an extraordinary employee experience. Jane was recently recognized in the Autocar Great Women in Automotive Awards for her achievements in digitally transforming HR at Bentley Motors. Nicola and Jane, welcome to the podcast. It's great to have you both. Thanks, Michael. Great to join you. Yeah, thank you, Michael. We're excited to be here. Marvellous. So let me set the context for the conversation that we're going to have today. So we're going to be looking at the attraction of talent in a digitally changing environment. So when we take a step back, the disruptive nature, which I think we're all blissfully aware of, of the world that we're living in today is now forcing us to change. It's almost adapt or don't exist 
is a comment that we have spoken about several times on the podcast previously. Every facet of the organizations that we work in or the choices we make in how we live our lives are changing far more frequently than ever before. One of the biggest disruptions, I think without doubt, is the changing profile of the working demographics and the preferences that we have surrounding both how and where we choose to work. So in this episode, we're going to explore how an organization going through its own transformation is tackling the strategic imperative of attracting talent and how it is overcoming some of the challenges prevalent today in both sourcing and hiring talent into the organization. The war for talent has existed for many years, but talking to several organizations in recent times, it has now become more difficult than ever. So this is what I call one of those perennial challenges. And, and, and Nicola, if, if I may, if we can almost do a little bit of a scene setter, if you like, we're excited to have you both. And Bentley Motors is an organization that, you know, I've had the pleasure of working with for a number of years now. But Bentley is also a great example of an organization that is having to change as a result of the changing world that we live in. So could you just sort of, you know, set the scene for us in terms of, well, what does that actually mean? And, and what does that feel like? And we'll almost use that, I suppose, as the basis for the conversation that we're going to have today. Yes, certainly, Michael. Um, thank you. So um, transformation is absolutely key in the automotive industry. And for us, there are four key drivers of transformation. We have mobility services. It's not just about the products, the cars anymore. We have autonomous vehicles, digitalization and electrification. And of course, we need new and different skills in the future to ensure that we attract talent from all walks of life, from a wide variety of industries. We don't just focus around the automotive industry anymore. Internally, it's important for us to work on strategic workforce planning, and this brings the changes that we need to resource or indeed upskill to bridge the identified gaps that we have. We're currently working on establishing what skills we have now versus those we need in the future. And of course, they are quite different in some instances with this level of transformation. We have a clear focus on attracting talent and also developing the critical skills we need to transform our business. And that's, of course, all aimed around our Beyond 100 strategy. One of our key resources strategies is actually the internal ability and looking at cross-functional synergies and transferable skills. This is really important to us to help fulfill our commitment to our colleagues to provide them with opportunities to grow to fulfill their true potential. It's interesting you said there about what skills now and and what in the future. And you also mentioned there about the sort of transferable skills. That, that's a big theme when we think about it, because, you know, there's no doubting for Bentley as you sort of go into the electrification. How do you, you know, how do you do that? And I think when you look at this sort of approaching this from a resourcing and a planning perspective, it's then about how does that weave through, if you like, into the employee value proposition. Now, we've been talking about the EVP on this podcast through near all of our episodes. I think it was the big theme on episode one. And I think in the last six months, near enough, every customer that I talk to is saying, we're revisiting our EVP. You know, we're revisiting and reimagining what does it mean? So to Jane, if I can come to you. So building on what 
you know, Nicholas just shared there about the backdrop of how you're looking at transformation and how you're looking at the strategy and thinking about the skills. So how are you then reflecting those changes through the employee value proposition, both out in the market, but also internally, you know, within Bentley? Because it's not just about the external market. It's also about your existing employees who are going through this transformation. So if you can just share some of your thoughts on how that is happening and how you're going about doing that. Yeah, sure. Thanks, Michael. So um, in terms of our EVP, we make sure that we are weaving the messages from that EVP throughout our internal and external careers websites. So particularly through um, some of the employee stories that we share on our careers website. We also have a really lovely Bentley Life blog narrative that we like to give prospective candidates an idea of what it's like to work at Bentley. You know, what does that feel like on a daily basis? And then we also make sure that that is um, thoroughly weaved in through all of our candidate and employee communication touch points and interactions. So it's it's really important for us that we want to ensure that we're living and breathing our EVP. Can I just follow up then ask, you mentioned there your employee stories. Can you give an example of what an employee story perhaps would look like or what would that feel like to somebody seeing that? It's a really nice example of, um, you know, choosing a colleague that works in a particular function. Let's choose research and development as an example and talking about that colleague's journey whilst they've been at Bentley. So the different opportunities they may have had, the different experiences, how they've been supported, not only as an employee of Bentley, but as a, you know, as a whole person. You know, how have we supported them throughout all of their life events at Bentley? So it just gives people a real feel for the organisation that, that we are. Yeah, that's the interesting thing at the moment, because I think when people are making decisions about where they want to go and work, the more they know and visualise and can understand, well, that's what it looks like, you know, because I often challenge customers and I'll often say, if somebody was joining you tomorrow, what would you tell them? What could they expect? What, you know, what do you expect from them? It, it, so in terms of then landing the EVP, as it were, out in the market, you know, what we're hearing and feeling is that there are a number of complexities, if you like, or challenges in building up that sort of pipeline, right? So getting out into the market, landing that message, getting that visibility, but then how do you then start to nurture and build that sort of external pipeline of talent? So Nicola, if I can come to you, what, what sort of complexities or challenges have you started to see you know, in that external marketplace to building that pipeline? Um, I think there are a number of um, complexities. So, for example, COVID hit and we have to completely redefine our future ways of working. We had many organisations that were already working remotely, but now most businesses in the market do have a, a high level of um, either remote working or hybrid working. And we need to define how that works for us. We're working with the board and with the colleagues to define how we should work in collaboration with all business areas, as well as developing our culture journey to ensure that we can be agile, innovative and also sustainable to achieve our ambitious strategy. So we look externally and internally. And of course, these new ways of working and also the work we're doing on culture will be launched and embedded in 2022. 
our EVP framework is reflective of this and our North Star, which we continuously refer back to, um, ensuring that everything that we do as a business is aligned to the promises laid out within our EVP. So I love that, that you refer to it as your North Star. I think many people are starting to have that as that focal point. So for you, everything points back to that EVP. It points back to that promise. It's interesting you use the word promise. Does it feel like that? Yeah, I think it does. I think it does feel like a promise. There are also other um, relevant factors for us in the automotive industry. Many of us are in the same market for the same skills. So we've got digitalization, electrification, systems engineering, cybersecurity. So we really have to think differently and broaden our reach, looking at transferable skills in industry, looking at every candidate through every um, touch point to set us apart from our competitors for talent. And we also have to remember that candidates are assessing us and we have a strong brand, but we also need that to play out in the candidate experience and the, in the experience of working at Bentley in reality. Of course, I think there's a perception that the market is awash with um, excellent candidates following COVID. We don't find that is the case, particularly with some of the rarer skills. Um, and in fact, we have a high volume of applications, lots of interest, but only 2% of those candidates actually meet the criteria that we need and those future skills that we require to be successful um, in that transformational industry. So can we pick the bones out of that a little bit? Going back and looking at this as a theme, there are two different schools of thought that some people are saying there's plentiful amounts of talent. And then you'll have somebody else saying, ah, but yes, the, the, there is a, a pool, but do they have the skills or do they have what you need? And you just mentioned there that you get a high volume of applications, but the conversion rate is 2%. That's a worrying, that's a worrying trend. Yeah, we're looking for um, a very diverse um, set of, of employees from across all different walks of life, from, from different regions and markets with specific skill sets. So we really value diversity and we don't necessarily want to bring in traditional skills. We want to look at those transferable skills. So I'm more in the our but camp, um, but Yes, there are some talents out there, but we have a really specific transformation agenda within the automotive industry, and we need the best diverse talent, um, but with specific, very specific skills for the future. Yeah, and you mentioned, Nicola, as well, about the culture journey, becoming agile, working with the board. Can I, if I may, just, just touch on culture? Because that has been a really interesting topic, obviously coming through COVID, coming through the pandemic, I'm not going to say as we get back to normal, because I think that's nonsense, but I think as we get to a different state, how is that actually playing out? Because that has a major bearing on your message, on the EVP, you know, on, on how you're communicating that and living that. Well, could you just give us a sort of a, a glimpse, if you like, into how are you playing around with shaping what the culture will be? Yeah, and it will need to be a glimpse because we're just at our early phases. In fact, in a couple of weeks, we have a, a leadership conference where we'll um, discuss this for the first time with our leaders. But we have recently undertaken um, a full culture survey um, asking our leaders, um, how does it feel to work at Bentley in reality? And we find we have a very aspirational culture in terms of we're very focused on results and we're very caring. And those two things are very difficult to do at the same time. Um, we've been benchmarking our COVID response. We were the first automotive industry um, to, to ramp back up and to be able to um, declare we were COVID safe. I think we're also very results focused. We've had record profits this year. 
But we also appreciate that because of the transformation in the marketplace, if we stand still, then we move backwards. So we need to continue to innovate. We need to be flexible and we need to recognize um, diversity of different skill sets. So I think that that point you made there, Nicola, about we can't stand still. Um, again, it goes back to what I said in that context setting, adapt or don't exist. I think that is absolutely true today. You know, yeah. the market isn't waiting for anybody. If you're not doing it, then somebody else will. Simon, can I bring you in and just get some of your thoughts? Yeah, thank you, Michael. I'd be interested in Nicola and Jane's thoughts on the mindset of, of the talent pool as well. You talked there about the, the skills being you know, rare and hard to find, electrification, digitalization, et cetera. But do you find that the mindset of the individuals you're looking for has changed? Or, or do you think actually the core qualities that Bentley are looking for are still the same, but it's more of a technical gap that you're seeing? Jane, do you want to take a first stab at that? I'm not sure in terms of mindset, but certainly what we're seeing is expectations changing. So, you know, following COVID and, and it's out there, you know, there's so much research on it at the moment. I think a lot of people have had a lot of time to self-reflect, reassess their priorities, their values, trying to align those to the uh, to the company that they are working for or want to work for. And what we're seeing is that people are less driven around um, salary and package, although they, you know, they still want to be rewarded well for the role that they do. But there is definitely a greater focus on work-life balance, well-being, how forward-looking the company is, and also, as we've just touched on, you know, joining a business that is very socially conscious. So having great CSR initiatives, opportunities to volunteer, working for a company that's really open-minded, and embracing diversity and inclusion. So I would say that, you know, in terms of mindset of the candidates that we're looking for, people seem to be so much more aware of their choices and their actions, and therefore probably feel like that gives them the edge in terms of, you know, where they are looking to work. I like that. They're aware of their choices and actions. Nicola, would you would you add to any of those points? Yeah, I think I'd build on that. I think, um, as Jane said, remote and hybrid working are key topics. Um, candidates are seeking flexible benefits that could be tailored towards their individual circumstances. And they'd also like autonomy um, around their personal and professional development. In our experience, remote workings proved really effective during COVID. Um, and we believe that some jobs you can actually do very efficiently by working from home. However, we have found that some colleagues when they're constantly working from home and lacking some connection with our products and the brand, um, as well as each other, you know, those those moments in the kitchen or by the water cooler, they're just not there. And some colleagues are feeling um, isolated. So our future is looking towards an intelligent combination between working on site um, and remotely, dependent on the task, dependent on whether we need to collaborate, or whether we need to do some work at home. For, for me, COVID's also brought some really positive changes and challenges. I think it's worth saying that for those um, balancing a family life, perhaps it can also help to pursue a really successful career um, and be, you know, a parent or a carer. So it gives potential to help everybody to work more flexibly going forward where companies can embrace the change. Yeah, I think that's key, isn't it? I think where flexibility can be enabled, then I think that surely is here to stay. But it, but it's where it suits the business. I mean, when COVID hit SAP, we're over 100,000 employees. and We literally all went home and worked from home, you know, which is a, quite a staggering 
feet, actually. But obviously that's starting to change back a little bit. So if, if I may, I just want to sort of just pick the bones out of this a little bit and just get some of your thoughts, because I, I think, you know, as Simon was mentioning, this thing about the mindset or the skills or the... And for me, I, I look at these changing expectations and and preferences in quite a big way. Jane, listen to yours. You know, people are more conscious about their actions and choices. I, I think they are. I, I think there's almost like I'm not willing to compromise on this or I'm not willing to compromise on that. One of the one of the things that we are observing is what I call the itchy feet syndrome. And it's certainly a characteristic, I think, of the newer members of the workforce. We see this at SAP. We have colleagues coming out of our academy. They'll come into a full-time role. They may stay in that for 11 months or 12 months and go, oh, there's a project over here. I'm going to go over and do this for 18 months. Oh, I'm done with that now. I'm going to go off and do something else, which is perfectly valid. Absolutely. Building up experiences, building up exposure, building up a profile. But it does create organizational challenges from a workforce planning, from a resource planning, from a succession standpoint. Because when you're looking at attracting talent, it's not just the market. It's how do you do that within Bentley? I, I would just like to get your thoughts on that. How are you seeing those play out also internally with your existing talent? And, you know, if you've got any thoughts that you can just share around how you're managing, you know, the internal progression, career. You mentioned about CSR and volunteering. A lot of organizations are doing a lot more coaching and mentoring, reverse mentoring. What what are you observing in terms of some of those factors as well? And Nicola, if you don't mind if I put you on the spot, if you can share some of your thoughts and observations. Yeah. So um, for Bentley, um, internal talent development is absolutely critical. Um, we will first look to upskill our own talent um, before we look to the external market in, in all cases, really. I'm fortunate enough to be responsible for people development, whether that's our leadership team um, that we're investing heavily in at the moment or all of our, our colleagues. Um, so we have various upskilling programs in place looking at these future digital skills. Um, we start with the, the younger end, um, in fact, no mixed ages for our graduates and apprentices these days. Um, so we've had a record intake of graduates and apprentices that we're developing. That's against a backdrop of, I think, over a 50 percent reduction in the UK. But it's been really important to us to book that trend and to focus on um, developing future skills from the ground up. Um, going on from there, people in professional careers, we encourage horizontal moves. We encourage secondments within the wider group in Audi, Volkswagen, Porsche. And we really encourage people to step out of their comfort zone and beyond to develop themselves. I have a personal mission to ensure that everybody has a personal development plan in place. We're not there yet, but we do have the technology around us to enable and facilitate that digitally. So that's a big push for me in 2022 and that, that's really important. And again, the data side of things is important. So we're working on looking at the current skills that we have and again, digitalizing that data. What are the future skills that we need via strategic workforce planning and then doing the gap analysis so that the development team have got all that data at their fingertips? These are where we re really need to invest in to develop for future skills. You know, Nicola, you, you and Jane have been involved in driving the change and transformation at Bentley for a long period of time. If you almost go back five years and you look to where you are today, is there is there any point where you sit and go, oh, I hadn't expected that, or this is getting harder, or you know, this is something that we have to do. Is there any of those sort of aha moments? 
I um, I started the journey with Jane. Jane continued the journey as I stepped aside into organisational development and um, and people development. But I think critically important is what we've delivered in all of our people processes in one place. Um, I won't mention the, the particular system, but we have it all in one place and all of the data at our fingertips. Um, I think that's key for us. But as times have changed, the landscape's become more complex. Uh, COVID hit and we were just about to launch a new learning management system. Well, no one was interested in that when they were just interested in the basics of, of staying safe. However, three months down the line, when we were all still working at home unexpectedly, it was fantastic to have a learning management system that people could access 24-7 from anywhere in the world, which was where they were working at that time. And in the last year, we've had more than 30,000 learning activities take place, much of this driven through our um, digital technologies and, and e-learning. So it's been fantastic to have that seamless, integrated um, landscape within our HR processes. But I'd ask Jane to add to that because it's her and her team that's really helped um, over the last five years to implement that. Yeah, thanks, Nick. I think, you know, you've touched on a really good point there. And I think it's important that we're constantly sort of reviewing and improving the platforms that underpin both our candidate and our employee experiences. You know, we really want to ensure that those things are there to make people's lives easier. And also, really importantly, what, what people have come to expect now is that those systems those interactions that they have with HR on, on a regular basis are almost on a par with their interactions that they have as a consumer. So I think, you know, Nicola's right, we've made significant progress in recent years. Um, we've still got some way to go, you know, but we're constantly focusing heavily on making sure we've got the right capability to enable and improve our overall employee experience. I think expectations and technology will constantly evolve and therefore will constantly present new challenges. So from a practical perspective, it's really important to stay ahead of the game in that area. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I completely agree. And it is about staying ahead. You, you, you can't stop. There's, there's no room for complacency, is there? I mean, I think that's one of the interesting words. One of our most senior HR colleagues at SAP is a gentleman called Ernesto Marinelli, and we were picking his brains a few years ago on his perceptions around the talent market and all of these things. And he said to me, he said, it's not a war for talent. He said, it's a talent jungle. He said, you can't find them. He said, you perhaps you don't even know who you're looking for. So I, 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 I think, you know, organizations that build an optimal strategy that works for their organization, that helps them to find and attract talent, I think will really win. I, I, I really do. The, pr the problem is, what is that, right? What is that sort of optimal strategy? If I can start with you first, what kind of strategies are you developing to really help you ensure that you can consistently find and attract talent? Okay, um, so I think the key for us is building long-term relationships with candidates. So we need to look for those candidates that have the future skills that we need it could be that they they leave the business when we've attracted them initially. Um, like you said, those people that want to have a, a variety of different experiences and careers. And then five years later, they've, they've developed their mindset, their skill set, and they come back and join us. So we'll keep in touch with candidates even post-career. Um, post we like to provide each candidate with a bespoke and supportive journey. Um, when a role arises, we have a talent pool to engage with. 
So we've recently implemented our CRM functionality into our applicant tracking system, which is really proving to be instrumental for um, excellent candidate relationship management. It keeps the dialogue open, um, it keeps it tailored to various points of their journey. And we're also finding that within HR, marketing is a critical element of our talent acquisition strategy. Uh, we actually have a, a marketing person in our team now and um, dedicated to really making sure that the benefits of, of working at Bentley are thoroughly understood um, out there in the marketplace. And as, as Jane said, through things like case studies and stories. We can't just rely on being a luxury brand. It's not enough. People have to really understand and, and build an emotional connection with us and what it would be like to work at Bentley. The other um, key topic I'll just briefly mention is um, diversity. It, it's really important for us um, to be socially responsible. And moreover, we get better business results, um, smarter teams, um, smarter outcomes, more innovation when we do have diverse teams. So this is a, a particular focus um, for us. In fact, just today I've been in with the board talking about our um, diversity and inclusion strategy for next year. So something that's key to us is um, recruiting and developing the right talent with the right future skills from a very um, diverse background. On episode five, you know, we were talking with Harriet Green and uh, Harriet was just clear, clear, clear that diverse teams, bring them together, working on strategic issues, win, hands down, any day of the week. So it, it has to be that prominent focus. So you mentioned you have a marketing person now working in HR, helping you on the, with that sort of the brand and the messages and fantastic. Yep, yep. She came across and um, and we do encourage horizontal moves and people to, um, you know, use their, their diverse skill set. I think the other point that I'd ask Jane to explore is the technology side around this optimal um, strategy. So, Jane. Yeah, thanks, Nick. And I guess as the, um, the, the person responsible for technology within HR at Bentley, I think, you know, we should be looking at what we can do in the future. So, you know, some avenues that we haven't explored yet, but things that we probably do want to do in the future. So looking at technology such as artificial intelligence to explore sourcing those really difficult to fill roles, you know, video interviewing to reduce our overall time to fill vacancies and continuously reviewing our candidate journey to ensure it's as seamless and effortless as possible. So, you know, really focusing on working smarter and not harder. Coupled with that, though, I would just sort of temper that by saying, you know, we shouldn't just automate for the sake of it. There's a lot of amazing technology out there and, you know, that landscape is changing constantly. But we need to, you know, constantly remind ourselves working in HR that there's a human being on the end of every process. So it's imperative that any automation we do is really purposeful. So, yes, we need to keep pushing ourselves to find new ways of doing things, but at the same time, just remind ourselves of our brand values, you know, be authentic, be purposeful and make sure that we're doing things for the right reason. Yeah, I love that. Don't automate for the sake of it. Be purposeful. You know, it, it can't be for, for the sake of it. Simon, can I just come to you for a second? Yeah, I just wanted to go back to what Nicola was saying there about the uh, the use of the CRM and, and keeping in touch with candidates that might not have been successful first time, but may be appropriate for a different position. What about the folks that unfortunately have to leave Bentley You know, once they're inside? I mean, the, the one sense I got a strong sense of when, you know, when I've been around Bentley is, is that community feeling 
within the workplace. Uh, and it's it's very strong. So when, I mean, sometimes people, unfortunately, do leave to explore other opportunities. Do you run any sort of alumni program or a way of keeping in touch with those folks in case they would then want to come back? Yes, um, that's something that we've recently been um, looking into. And without naming names, I can think of a great example of, um, of a chap that joined us on our graduate programme probably 12, 13 years ago, went off to work in various other automotive organisations, uh, sharpened his toolkit, developed his skills, and he's now come back in a leading role within electrical engineering. So um, we absolutely encourage people to, well, we don't encourage them to leave, but if they do leave to further their career elsewhere, that's absolutely fine um, with us because we see the benefits of, of diversity and, and different skills and experiences. And the system that we have enables talent pooling, which of course includes the alumni. Nicola, one, one little build on that, and I was just conscious when you were talking and James mentioned about you know, working smarter teams and just goes back to this sort of change in preferences. One of the things that I'm really interested in is, is this influencing also the way we look at our employee life cycle? We look at our processes. So whether it be how we set goals, is it individual or team? How do we facilitate performance conversations? Have you found that through this work that you're also reimagining how you actually execute some of these processes to fit with the EVP, to fit with the experience culture, you know, to fit with somebody owning it. Have you also found that that's an ongoing thing also at the moment? From my perspective, we're constantly um, innovating and um, redesigning our employee processes and experiences. In fact, we have more ideas than we have uh, resources to keep up with. But, you know, Jane's team, my team are continually challenging, you know, why can't it be one touch? Why can't it be done this easily? Why do I need to press three buttons when I can press one? So, yes, we do take feedback. Um, we have, for example, we have mentoring, but we also have reverse mentoring. So perhaps more technologically adept people, employees at Bentley, they're pushing um, some of their, their skills and knowledge upwards to really challenge some of our processes. So, I think that's something that Jane's team are looking at day in, day out. Brilliant. Well, listen, I think we're almost coming up to our time. So I'm going to close out with um, our final question. And uh, we, we found that this is this is one of the questions that everybody enjoys. So we always ask our, ask our guests if they can share. And, and, this, you know, you've shared so many points today and so many insights. But we'd really like to hear some of your pieces of advice, your wisdom, your 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 top tips. So if I can start with you first, Nicola, and then I'll come to you, Jane. So just think about this process or indeed actually broader, because what we're talking about today is attraction per se in terms of that external market. But it's also that attraction internally, too. So, Nicola, what are some of your pearls of wisdom that you'd like to share? For me, the first one is not to be complacent. Um, it's never an employer's market, regardless of us being a luxury brand um, we always need to benchmark, we need to consider our marketing, our EVP, and maintain a point of differentiation that is different um, to work at Bentley. We, we personally don't just look to hire from our competitors, we proactively look across other industries from a, a diverse range of um, countries and, and regions to make sure that we have different people with, with the, the skills that we need. We need to be prepared to invest in um, outreach activities to build the next generation of, of talent through the pipeline. Um, this is something that's really critically important for me, something close to my heart, and I'm very proud of the activities that we do um, with our graduates and apprentices to build them up to be the, the next professionals and the next leaders within Bentley. 
Jane, do you have any any hints and tips to share? I think for me, you know, coming back to that technology point again, I think the technology that we've implemented has made such a huge impact in the way that we work over the years, not only on us in HR, but for everybody who interacts with our HR processes. So I would just really encourage people to really embrace any advancements that come along in human capital management systems or human experience management. Obviously, don't automate for the sake of it. That's something that I'm I'm very passionate about. And always remember that there's a human being at the end of every process. You know, make it feel real, make it a nice experience. But yeah, I think moving forward with technology is key. Yeah, some great tips. Some really great tips. And I do love that one, that there's a human being at the end of the process. And I think certainly we've been learning as an organisation around psychology is what does this mean to me? And that can't be prescribed in many respects, because what it means to me will be different to the next person. But yeah, it was certainly something that when I was working with Harriet, when we were always building out our change programs, she would always pick out a fictional character and say, you need to explain to me, what does this mean to that person? And if we couldn't, go back <laughs> and have a think. But no, listen, I mean, Simon and I, when we were setting out with the podcast, we wanted to talk about the challenges and, and the themes that are influencing the world of work. And there's no ifs or buts. The This is a perennial challenge, right? The attraction of talent is getting harder. The demographics is changing. We know that preferences have moved on completely because we've been spoilt by consumerization. The advance of digital it's just changed the game. And of course, COVID, we know that that has dramatically changed the game because it's forced us to be agile. It's forced us to look at how we work hybrid. People are wanting to work from home. So it's just flipped everything on its head. So I can't thank you both enough for being guests this afternoon and giving your time and giving a, such an array of insights and thoughts. And, and I love the fact that, you, you know, you recognize this doesn't end. Uh, there's no room for complacency. You have to keep your finger on the pulse. You have to keep moving forward. And I think that's a wonderful, wonderful piece of advice for for all organizations that it's it, it's adapt or or we won't be here. So so on behalf of uh, Simon and myself, thank you very much to you both. It's been a phenomenal conversation. Thank you. Thank you, Michael. I really enjoyed it and appreciate your time and, and welcoming us as well. Thank you very much. It's been uh, it's been a great experience and I hope it's been a valuable conversation. Simon, we always say it, it's an absolute treat to have these conversations because we get phenomenal insight, we get real learning, we get to tap into the thinking of people who are dealing with these themes and these challenges, you know, every single day. And I'm so grateful to Nicola, I'm so grateful to Jane for their time today. Um, we worked with Bentley for a number of years and we've seen at close distance that the transformation and it's been a huge body of work. And there were so many takeaways for me today. Don't be complacent. Even though they've done a, such a huge body of work and they continue to evolve and evolve, they will not be complacent. They know they've got to keep getting ahead of it. I, I, I think also as well, you know, Jane was talking about having the awareness that talent today in these changing times are making conscious decisions and conscious actions about where they want to work. And, and that was reflected in Nicholas' comment that, we have to build a relationship that's long term. People may leave us, but we'd love it if they come back, you know. So having that real focus on the alumni 
And then I think the last one for me, before I hand over to yourself, was before they go to the market, they will always look to upskill if they can. And I think that's great. I think promoting talent internally is brilliant. What were your takeaways and reflections on that conversation? So I love the conversation, as always. Uh, I think another another great episode. Uh, and, and probably two things leapt out for me um, that, that really caught my ear and, and piqued my interest was the first was around diversity. You know, traditionally, you might have gone and poached somebody from your competitor or, or you were swimming in that same pool. But actually, in reality, what Bentley are looking for is, is more of diversity. You know, looking at new ideas, different viewpoints, challenging the status quo, um, you know, stirring up that gene pool, if you like, of talent that, that would then be in the company. And I thought that was a great approach to have and a, and a great way of widening their talent pool beyond those more traditional boundaries. And as they say, and as we talked about, there isn't a huge pool of, of people just sat there with all of those skills already in place. So part necessity, but I think it's also part very savvy to do that. The second point, I think, was something that we've heard on previous episodes. Damien talked about it quite a bit. Uh, but it's just treating people with kindness. You know, there's a human being uh, that's put themselves out there by applying to your organisation yeah, be kind to them. There's no need to be mean. You know, you, even if they weren't successful, they want to go away and you want them to go away as ambassadors for your brand. They're going to talk to their family, their friends and other people. You know, why not them tell a positive story, even if they were unsuccessful? And I think that's that's hugely important. And you know, in line with, with our podcast, you know, it's the human factor. Let's not forget there's a human being there in, as part of that process. So, so those are the two bits that resonated for me. Yeah, Nicola talked, didn't she, about the fact that they did a culture survey and there were two there were two facets that came out of that, that they are an aspirational business, you know, that continues to do really well with a great product, great brand, but equally, though, they're recognised for having a caring culture. And, and Jane was at pains, wasn't she, to say there is a human being at the end of every process. So, you know, it's not automate for automate's sake. Let's really think about what that experience is, whether it's internally or externally. I think that's real care, real care, real consideration, and really tapping into what is the DNA, I think, of this organization. So hugely grateful to them both. Uh, as you say, another great conversation, episode 10. And this will be out in time for, for, for Christmas, obviously. And just on that, then, Michael, you know, it's probably um, our duty almost to, to wish our audience, you know, a festive holiday season. We're going to... Uh, finish with this episode this year and start up again in January with another full set of episodes that will stretch the conversations and stretch people's minds. But but equally, let's not forget that we've got a holiday season coming up and it's a time, chance for people to unwind and relax and, and enjoy the family and friends at home. Completely echo your sentiment indeed. So uh, yeah, I hope people have enjoyed the, the podcast this year. As you say, we will be back with a full raft of episodes in 2022. Uh, and it's been hugely, hugely enjoyable, Simon, and I'm looking forward to next year. So until then, my good friend, um, we will leave it there and uh, hope everyone enjoys the episode. Goodbye. Goodbye.